looking back at the best of Saturday racing from around the country and examining the major talking points of the day. This is Pass the Post, brought to you by Archer Park Racing, taking racing ownership to the next level. Good morning, everyone. Thanks for your company on Past the Post. It's Sunday, October 9. We're really getting into the big stuff now. And, of course, yesterday was Caulfield Guineas Day at Caulfield. The day belonged to Godolphin. We're going to concentrate on that shortly. First up, though, Mike Maxworthy joins me in the studio this morning. How are you, mate? I'm well, thank you, David. Yeah, it's a great time of the year, isn't it? Spring and uh, a wonderful meeting at Caulfield yesterday. But, unfortunately, the big wet in Sydney. Mm. It, it was always promising to happen yesterday like uh, it dawned fine they knew that rain ban was coming it just was a matter of when it arrived mm. well it really started to kick in midway through the day i think the last race they ran the, the inaugural tap craig they ran 129 69 and 40 seconds 40 seconds for the yeah. 1400 meters and the margins were something extraordinary so even before that race the jockeys had, had, had met with the stewards and said they'd probably ride a bit wider from the rail then they ran that tap craig but then there was another meeting and then it was uh, all bets off. Yeah, the horses, some of the horses were coming in miles behind, you know, the, the real mudlarks there yesterday. And uh, Opal Ridge is obviously a bit of a mudlark and got through it. But some of those horses, as you mentioned, were beaten. A country mile, horses like Badge, 74 lengths, and Hawaii 5-0, who was an $8 chance in that race, was beaten 144 lengths. So he lost the last four. So yep. what happens now? Well, um Around about half an hour after the last race yesterday, the Australian Turf Club um, decided to uh, come up with a new plan for the Gloaming Stakes, which is a, a vital lead-up race to the Spring Champion Stakes. And it's going to be added to the meeting at Warwick Farm on Wednesday, over 1,600 metres. And the other two features from yesterday, the Silver Eagle, it's added to Saturday, and the Angst is also added to Saturday, making it a, an amazing day for Everest Day. They're unfortunately going to have to bump a couple of the, the lesser races, the benchmark races, uh, to make room for the Silver Eagle and the Angst. The Silver Eagle, luckily, David, there was a three-week gap from yesterday mm. to the big, big race, so it's going to be a fortnight, and uh, the weather is looking a little bit better for this week. Yeah, and, and that's an important thing because it was a saturated track at, at, at Randwick yesterday with yeah. rain on the day. Now, just, even if we had a totally fine week, the track is still going to be rain-affected, but you're saying the report is, is brighter. Yeah, showers today, but um, clearing tomorrow and Tuesday, but then showers returning Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and they're just mentioning showers other than rain, so hopefully if we get any, that's all it is. And then most importantly, sunny for Everest Day with a top of 20 degrees. You can see, um, you know, uh, the, the weather maps and then you see that bright sun, something they haven't seen for ages in Sydney uh, for, for this coming Saturday. And uh, the Everest is going to be a wonderful race, as we know. Tab have got... Um, Nature Strip, this will be his fourth start in an Everest. Uh, he won and was unplaced in the other two, but he's the $2 favourite over Lost and Running at 7, Jackano 11, Eduardo. Uh, Eduardo at $13, Mars Crusader 13, Marzu 13. I think it's a good price, Marzu, given we're going to get some kind of rain affected track. Paulaley, $15 if he starts, and Private Eye at $15. Our good friend Bud Sinclair's daughter, Katie, is getting married on Friday. It's an outside wedding. 
Yeah. Outside when he gets to Tenniel Park, so there's oh. a lot of there's a lot of consternation there. Will it or won't it? They've got to yeah. make the de- make the decision on the day. It's like waiting for to see whether a race meeting well, proceeds. Uh, hopefully, that sun comes out 24 hours earlier for the, the Sinclair family. We we hope so. Look, um, Vin Cox, of course, is the managing director of Godolphin. Always very generous with his time, and it was Godolphin's day yesterday at Caulfield, winning the two Group Ones with Golden Mile and the Guineas, and with Animo and the Might and Power. But they also have this. Group 2, Scalacci with Pulele and Gravina 1. Uh, Vin can't be with us live this morning. Uh, he's literally flying at the moment. Well, he's literally and figuratively flying, I suppose, because they had a bumper day yesterday. So I had the chance to speak with Vin a little earlier this morning. Well, Vin, a wonderful day yesterday. Let's talk about Animo firstly. I know he's already won five Group 1 races, but I think yesterday's victory, yesterday's Group 1 is sixth, was a defining moment in his career. What he had to do to, to react to pressure and run those horses down was something, was something to, to behold. Yes, David, it was a, a sensational win. And uh, as we said after the race, it was, it, that race will probably be watched for decades to come because it, it was a, a classic contest. Uh, uh, you know, a small but very select field that, that battled their way down the straight. And our bloke, you know, he dug deep. He had to dig deep to win, and he, and he won it very well. And um, I'm told, I'm led to believe that, that this horse is now equal most number of Group 1 wins of any horse owned by Godolphin or Sheikh Mohammed. So a pretty significant achievement from the Godolphin Australia team and, and obviously a huge, huge uh, imprimatur for the horse himself to win six Group 1s. So very exciting day. When I say a defining moment, uh, he, he won as a two-year-old against his own age and then, then he won the, the Caulfield and Rose Hill Guineas as a three-year-old again against his own age. We saw those two Group 1s in Sydney and they're Group 1s, but... He had fairly comfortable runs, but but yesterday, the quality of the opposition, the fact that he had to rally so hard, I, I think it's a a wonderful moment. And and you're right from a, from a just a pure racing point of view, from a spectator's point of view. Even if you didn't have a bet, it's a race that was so enthralling because in the straight, it was just changing one by one. Alligator blood led, then Zaki, then you, then I'm thunderstruck late. So you're right. It's a race we'll watch for a long time. Oh, indeed, and even just you talking about it there makes your hair, hairs on the back of your neck stand up. It was it was really special stuff, and they're the best horses in the country at the moment. And and for for racing to get that sort of finish and uh, that excitement around it, it, it's great for the code, and uh, so it certainly sets up for an unbelievable cox plate in a couple of weeks' time. The other factor of the race, just breaking down the times of the race, they didn't go hard. Alligator Bloods jockeyed signalled his intention to leave, but as soon as he and Zaki set up shop, they really backed it off. And I was starting to think in the race, gee, these sectionals are really slow. It's going to take a pretty good performance by Animo. But then how did you feel at watching the race coming to the turn when I'm Thunderstruck ducked underneath him and you you came off the bit? Oh, I thought we were gone, honestly. And I thought, you know, Zaki was home and uh, we are in real trouble. But, um, you know, that's the, that's the quality of the horse when he really goes for the afterburners and... Um, and let let go as he did yesterday um, to, to knock him down. To knock him over was a was a big big performance. And um, you know your point about uh, the slowness early on in the race it did set up for the for the, you know, the front or the leading horses and um, those that were behind us found it very difficult as evidence. But um, you know he can only win them and he won it well. And uh, you know we're very excited for for the team and for the horse. It was uh, it was a special day, special result. After he pulled up officially three out of five lame, uh, was there only was it a short time concern, or did did things you know turn around quickly? 
Oh, these sort of things. I mean, you're always concerned when it happens. Um, but uh, so he was he was rated at three out of five lame on the race course straight after the race at, uh, in the George Main. Um, by the time he got home to Osborne Park, our our vet graded him a sort of one and a half out of five lame. By Sunday morning, he was completely sound. Um, so and then Monday morning, I got to Osborne Park on on the Monday morning. And uh, looked at him with our vet, Trevor Robson, James Cummings is there, Jason Walsh, our racing and bloodstock manager, myself, Paul Reid, who's the assistant trainer at, at Osborne, and he was 100% then. So, so we're pretty confident we're in good shape. Uh, we got the regulatory vet to come out and have a look at him that afternoon, and he passed him fit to, to race. So um, it was one of those very strange things to this day. We still don't know what it was. Whether he just pinked something, I don't. We don't know, but um, but you know, obviously he's, he's come through it well, and uh, he was very sound uh, yesterday, and um, and we look forward to heading towards the Cox Plate now. I suppose from a um, a racing enthusiast point of view, Animo gets the plaudits yesterday. Understandably, it was, it was a great win, and he's two dollars ten for the Cox Plate. But I think racing people will say, well, of course he's the one to beat. You wouldn't swap him. But it's not over the line because there's there's not a lot between these horses as, as yesterday showed. Oh, indeed. You know, there's no way he's over the line at all. And and you know, there, there's some very very good runs in that race. Uh, probably wasn't run to suit the, the back markers as we suggested earlier. Um, so a lot more can pan out. And and um, you know, Mooney Valley is, is very much a different race course than than Caulfield. It races differently, and you need a different pattern to win there. So. Fortunately, we've had had the opportunity to race in a Cox Plate, um, albeit we didn't win it last year. It's uh, well documented what happened uh, in that particular running, but um, you know we look forward to getting there in, in, in uh, Saturday week. He's certainly in the box seat to avenge that defeat from last year. Golden Mile, um, a stallion-making race, the Caulfield Guineas, it's well known. Again, uh, a good run in transit. McDonald always gives him a good ride, and that was the case. Uh, Never totally confident of success in the straight, but but clear on the line. Oh yeah, no, he was an outstanding robber, Jay Mac. You know, he really showed his class yesterday. A magnificent riding performance across the board, really. And um, as you as you say, he, he, he never looked home, but but he, he just he always, he was always coming, and he you know hit the line and a good long head in front. Um, that's what you got to be. You got to be in front on the finish line, and he's a he's an exciting colt. He's a very good looking colt. He's the son of a Stern, um, who's also the sire of Ask Cabin, um, who unfortunately we couldn't get to the races as, as, as he had led on the training track the week before. But, um, you know, we'd, he's only obviously only had the five starts. Um, so we look forward to, we'll probably, we'll just have a look at what we're going to do with him for the rest of the spring. Um, but we look forward to getting taking aim at some nice races in the autumn. If you if you did continue on and, and not pull up stumps, what sort of races would you be looking at for the for the rest of the sport? Oh, look, I, we, I think um, a mile might have been the end of the rope for him. He's, you know, I'm not sure we can stretch him out any further than than, than, than that. Um, and so that sort of either you've got to freshen and, and go to the, say the Coolmore over six furlongs, um, or that's pretty much your option really. Um, otherwise, it's the Carbine Club um, Group Three. So, you know, we'd have to, we just got to sit, sit back and just have a look at that and whether we want to do that. We've got a nice filly heading towards the, the Coolmore and in secret. Um, so, potentially, probably going to be going to the paddock. But again, we won't make any decision today. Um, we'll have a chat about it um, tomorrow at our racing night. Yeah, the, 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 the switch back to the Coolmore to the 1200s, a, 
sort of half a radical plan, but it's half an exciting one when you think about it. Yeah, it's, we've done it. We have done it a couple of times before, uh, not to great effect. So we're a bit nervous about it, a bit gun shy <laughs> to do it. Um, so, um, so yeah, it'll be unlikely, but but it's it's, it's on the cards. You mentioned in secret go to the Coolmore, so she was being touted by some, and with, with some legitimacy that she might be your Everest contender. But as we go to Paul Ailey winning the Scalacci yesterday, does that now see him in the Everest next week? Um, again, we haven't made any decisions around the Everest. Uh, Paul Ailey certainly one of our better sprinters. Uh, ingratiating ran very well. We've got Kim and Parry back in Sydney as well, sort of idling away. So, um, and, 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 yeah, there's probably other prospects, but not in that in, that, in the league of that trio. Um, in secret, no, it was pushed by the press a little bit for her to go there. Um, we don't see that as, as, as... We want to sort of race her on. I mean, it, it should be an interesting proposition, but chances are, I mean way the, the track's going to play out and the way the weather could be, um, we just don't really want to take that risk with a, with a filly of her value and, and you know, be such a young filly as well. So, I mean, they're the biggest considerations we've, we've got in the next day or two, um, is what the track is going to be for every stage. So, and what's our best proposition factoring all of that in. Yes, so, you, so what you're saying this morning is you still haven't made a firm decision? Yeah, not at all. Far from it. <laughs> so, so we got, we got a bit time of is running out there. now, you know. Oh yeah, well Tuesday morning's acceptance time. Nine a.m. Nine a.m. Tuesday morning. So yeah, <laughs> we've got our alarm set at five to five to nine. <laughs> I think what whatever happens, I, I think the weather is going to be a little brighter this week. But whatever it's going to be, the track is still going to be rain affected, isn't it? Oh no doubt. I mean, the rain they've had in Sydney is just epic. Um, so, you know, they were fortunate to get through as many races as they did. Yes, that's from what I'm told. But um, hopefully uh, we've seen the back of it now and uh, we can look forward to hopefully getting towards some, um, some, some nice tracks and some good weather. And if that wasn't a big enough day yesterday with the winners we've discussed, Gravita won as well. So it was uh, four out of ten there. Yeah, no, it was a pretty special day. Um, and, you know, he's, he's a horse that's... Always been thereabouts, and he's, he's raced. He's got you know, some terrific form lines, and um, again, a great ride, ride by Blake Shin. And um, I thought Jamie Carr was going to hold him in there on on Zeke, our other horse in the race, but um, so that uh, yeah, Blake forced his way clear, and he, and he won very well. So it was a good effort. Great, great. We had uh, obviously a stellar day at Caulfield, and um, not only the winners winning, but our other horses raced very well as well. That, that didn't necessarily win. So. Um, yeah, that was a pretty special day, and I'm feeling the uh, feeling the after effects of it this morning. Well, we appreciate your time. Always appreciate your time. You're very generous with your time, and again, congratulations on what was a, a wonderful day yesterday. Good man, thank you, David. Very much appreciate it. Yes, Vin Cox joining me this morning, earlier in the morning. We do appreciate his time, but let's listen back to now some of these big races, and we'll discuss them, and also. Uh, talk about Vin's comments, and of course, we're going to go to Animos first. I know the Caulfield Guineas is traditionally the the, the the star act of the day, but this was the race, the might and power, and Animo was a very solid favourite. Zaki now breathes down the neck of Alligator Blood at the 500 metres. They're toe to toe. Two links to Animo. I'm Thunderstrike, and then Nonconformist hooking to the outside from Benno. Zaki really going for it round the turn now. 300 metres to go. Alligator Blood sticks with him, and they're toe to toe. Two links. I'm Thunderstrike. Animo to the middle of the course. Then Benno. Zaki. Alligator Blood. What a race at the 150. I'm Thunderstrike wearing them down, and Animo is starting to come now. 
now at the 100. Here comes Animo over the top with Oak Thunderstruck, who's lifting Animo. Six group ones, a big one. Beat Oak Thunderstruck, Zaki for fourth photo. Mr. Brightside, Benno, followed by Alligator Blood, Mawuga, and Nonconformist lasts. Michael, there are markers and hard markers in racing. I suppose I'm in that hard marker category, and I know Adamo had won five Group 1s before yesterday, and, you know, that's a, an outstanding achievement. But as I said to Vin there at the start of the interview, I think that win yesterday, if you had any slight doubt or, or you, you only marked it at 8.5 or a 9 out of 10, he went to a 9.5 or a 10 out of 10 because that was, uh, a, I think, a defining moment in his career, which isn't over yet. Yeah, um, you know, jumping up from the George Main, 1,600 metres in that three-week period to the 2,000 yesterday, and uh, you touched on it with Vin about him pull, pulling up a little bit scratchy. Um, but it was a, a wonderful performance by him, and it was a great wait-for-age contest, wasn't mm. it? The pressure was on a long way from home. Um, I think the tactics with Zaki, I, I think they must have decided we're not going to let the same thing happen at Sandown a few weeks ago on the Underwood, whereby Alligator Blood was going to get it cheap in front. Uh, you could clearly see it about the 650, 700 mm. metres mark. Jamie Carr on Zaki put the pressure on, put it on. Um, certainly put Alligator Blood away fairly soon after that. But then it was the two horses in those great spots right behind the leaders. Animo won out. And I'm thunderstruck. They had to sort of get around heels at the top of the straight. Their efforts were terrific. But the effort of Zaki, I thought, was meritorious as well. To go down fighting, to be beaten only in neck. He was the bunny. He was the, the, the one working 24-7, putting it to alligator blood. And then in the last couple of hops, Animo and, and I'm thunderstruck came to get him. I thought he was super as well. Yeah. And this is the point that... Animo won the day, and Animo's $2.10 favourite for the Cox Plate, and, and he's the star attraction. But, but you it's not over yet. But you didn't leave Caulfield, or you didn't go away from the screen saying, no. well, it's all over Red Rover, uh, where they draw, um, the, the, the tactics again. But this has been the trend right through the spring. These wait-for-age contests leading up to the grand final, which is Cox Plate Day, they've been wonderful races. I'm thunderstruck running down alligator blood of the Maccabi Diva. We saw the race you just mentioned at Sandown, the Underwood the other day, and again yesterday. And the other thing is, too, the margins are two lengths by three lengths. No. There's not much between them at all. No, no, and it was a close finish last year. Of course, Animo uh, winning the uh, the Caulfield Guineas and then, you know, uh, really stepping it up at way for age level, controversially beaten there in the Cox Plate. So, um, yeah, it's going to be another great race in, in a fortnight's time. 210 Animo, Zaki 5, I'm Thunderstruck 7. This uh, visitor, El Bodegod, at $11. We spoke to to um, the Greenwich people about him last week. Noel Greenwich. Alligator Blood out to 15. Mr Brightside, I don't think he was too bad at 15. He probably can't win the Cox Plate, but he certainly didn't disgrace himself yesterday. And two horses that ran yesterday, Benno and also mm. Nonconformist, they'll go to the Caulfield Cup next Saturday. Yeah. And they both ran well, I thought. Uh, well, Benno was only beaten two and three-quarter lengths. It was a great run for a Caulfield Cup, so he's going to be peaking next Saturday. Well, if you win one Group 1, it's not enough for Godolphin. They had to win another one, and this is Golden Mile in action in the Caulfield Guineas.
So the front runner is dashing, 600 metres to go. Looks to dial it up by a half length, the Lethal Thoughts, a length and a half, the Fortune Teller. Elkington Road, the inner. Then came Tijuana, who hooks out four deep from Mullane. Next in the field is Golden Mile. Elliptical runs up behind that wall, and then Sir Bailey. Lethal Thoughts dashing as they reach the 250, joined by the Fortune Teller. Then Tijuana. Golden Mile is coming on now down the middle of the track, and Bankmore from a long way back. Golden Mile up to Tijuana, then Elliptical. Golden Mile, 100 metres to go from Tijuana. Elliptical late. Golden Mile, Elliptical's driving. Golden Mile, saw out the mile. Won the guineas, beat Elliptical. Photo third between out wide Aussie Pinko and Barclay Square late. Then Elkington Road, Meridius. Next to finish the Fortune Teller, who's run a huge race. So too, dashing amenable. Next, Skyfios. And then came Sir Bailey. Bankmore pulls up quickly. Fujita, San Lethal, Thoughts and Mullane amongst the the tail enders. Well, Golden Mile winning very well back to uh, he was uh, a firmer on the on the, the fluctuation service, but he was smashed on all the totes. He paid around two ten, two twenty, a lot shorter than what he actually started um, uh, when his, his SP was. Mike, a perfect ride by James McDonald. That's what we expect. Uh, he was the favourite for the race, uh, as I said there in that interview. Never certain of victory, but always looking likely for victory mm. in the straight. Now, he didn't look that comfortable. He might have sort of been on the wrong leg for a little while in the home straight. It's hard to tell, but he didn't look totally comfortable at Caulfield going there for the first time. And um, after being given the run of the race by James McDonald, just survived. There were some other terrific runs in the race as well for, for longer distances. And when you have a look at this blanket finish... The top 11 down to Meridius, who was 11th, was only 1.8 lengths mm. behind the winner. Does that say something? Well, probably does. Yeah. It probably does. There's obviously no clear standout, although this, this horse is only lightly raced and it was his first go there at Caulfield. Um, he's developing a lovely um, CV at the moment when he eventually goes to stud. What about the, the proposition that, that Vin threw up uh, when I said... Is it pulling up stumps now, or do we go again somewhere? Mm. And the somewhere, he did raise the cool ball, freshen up, dropping back in distance. Not out of the equation, quite an interesting proposition, though. But as he said, they've done it a few times before without success, and they're, they're a little bit gun-shy thinking about it again, but well, at least they're going to think about it. Yeah, well, he certainly, he's got a pedigree to be a sprinter, hasn't he, mm. being by a stern. But a couple of the other runs in the race, uh, 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 Elliptical was very good, but what about um, Aussie Penko mm. from Stone Last? right down the outside and I thought Barclay Square was very very good from the point of view of the future and longer didn't have the smoothest path wasn't held up at any point but just couldn't quite get the momentum going for a you know a big long striding horse so I think there's going to be some nice form come out of that race um you know from the point of view of the future and that Barclay Square is a, a half brother to Senor Toba remember he he ran well in Brisbane last year as a three-year-old before mm. going to Hong Kong and He's the kind of horse that doesn't start to warm up until 2,000 metres, so I think that the future looks pretty bright for those as well. Osipenko and Buckley Square. It seems as though several of these will go to the derby. Um, Mr Maestro, who didn't race yesterday, he won last Saturday. He's at $4, but Barclay Square at 6 elliptical at 8 and Aussie Penko, it was the run of the race because I think the general consensus was yesterday it was difficult to make ground out wide. Yeah. Well, he made ground out <laughs> wider, right, from, from Stone Motherless last, as you said. He's at $8. Let's go to another Godolphin win. It was their day. This is the Scalacci at Group 2, and Paul Laley was a rock-solid favourite. 
500 metres to go. Zoo style and Queen of the Ball from in the boat. Three wide and neck off those. General Bow a length and a half away to peel out four wide. Then came Paul Laley ingratiating and Shelby 66 around the turn of the 300. Zoo style just in front from in the boat on the outside and Queen of the Ball the centre. Then came General Bow. Paul Laley is going for a split between them and he's coming through ingratiating late. 100 to go. Paul Laley bursts through, takes the lead, ingratiating, coming at it. Paul Ailey, too classy. Three quarters of a length, ingratiating. Zoo style, General Bow, queen of the ball behind those horses, followed by in the boat, and Shelby, 66, was last. I think I've asked him a million times. It's probably an overstatement, but I, I thought surely today he'll say, well, we've decided on X for the, the Everest, Vincox, no. but uh, still not. But you've got a theory here, and I tend to agree with you, just outline what why you think Paul Ailey well, might be in the Everest. Well, I love Paul Ailey. I just, physically, and he's, there's just something about him. We saw him at a couple of starts during the Brisbane Winter Carnival. Beautiful chestnut horse with this massive forelock, like a, an 80s rock star. I think uh, Will um, uh, William Wallace sort of tweeted out, he's got this magnificent forelock on him, and, and when he's at full gallop, he, he, he looks magnificent. He came so close, didn't he, in the um, Kingsford Smith Cup and the Doombin 10,000. So he's got his hoof right on the till at the elite level. And I think that's what they want with him, David. They want the group one with him. And if he goes into the Everest, he goes in as a $15 chance. But if he goes into a race like a Manicado mm. at Moody Valley, he's all of a sudden, what, a 3 or $4 chance. Oh, for, for sure and certain. So it might be left to Kevin Tarrab. He's in secret. Well, he, he certainly closed the door on, on the Everest option. She'll go to the Coolmore. So... Yeah, it might be special, K. And uh, he just got that world, you know, the world's best run there, gate number one, as everybody thought, right behind that hot tempo set by Zeus Style, Queen of the Ball, and, and and in the boat. I noticed when they got to about the three hundred metres mark, when Paul Laley was launching at Zoo Style, Damien Oliver's persuader hit him over the the snout with the persuader, and it was a good old fashioned whack as well. Mm. And you could clearly see Paul Laley turn his head. I don't know whether it spurred him on. But you can clearly see him, you know, react uh, to being struck over the nose with the persuader. So it was great to see him win there yesterday. Well, I think all putters across Australia were on him. Ingratiating was good too. He's finally realising mm. that potential that he showed as a two-year-old. And Zoo style was gallant. Um, you know, 1,100 metres, just with all that pressure on him, I thought he held on quite well. I think he's going terrifically. He's probably never gone better without winning. Like, each run, like, I felt he was unlucky behind Rothfire because, he, because he, he missed the kick. Yeah. Uh, his run to Coolangatta, uh in the in the Moyer was great. Uh, McCune was the first up run. And again, a lot of pressure there yesterday and uh, didn't shirk the task. So I don't know where he goes with him now. No, well, the Manicato 1,200 high pressure is probably, you know, a, a, a stretch too far for him. I, I think 1,000, 1,100 metres, just let him run. And one day he's going to find the rail straight away get it fairly cheap and he's going to win one of those big ones. But I suppose he's there, he's fit, he's healthy, he's informed. The yep. Manicato seems a, a, a logical option. Yeah. Well, that was Godolphin. Of course, they also won with, with Gravina, so a big day for them. Yeah. Let's turn our attention now to the Turak, the other group one of the day.
Gentleman Roy around the corner at the 400 metres in front of Military Expert and then Tuvalu, Buffalo River. Now I Wish I Win pulls towards the middle of the track, still has seven or eight to pick up. Gentleman Roy at the 250 led from Military Expert, then Tuvalu, I Wish I Win. Gentleman Roy getting tired, Tuvalu is wearing it down at the 100. Tuvalu takes the lead, 50 to go, Tuvalu draws clear and won the Turak. Tuvalu first, flashing laws of indices or Military Expert or Gentleman Roy and I wish I win, not today in fifth place. Behind them then was Pinstriped, No Name Lane, Banker's Choice Character. Then came Converge, Halal, Buffalo River, Call Sign Mav, Dallasan, and Uncle Bryn was last. Yes, Tuvalu, a horse with a wonderful strike rate. He makes his own luck. He either gets out of the leads or races handy. He's just got that cruising speed. And it was his day yesterday in the Turak. It was also the day of his trainer, Lindsay Smith, and it was also the day for his jockey, Jared Fry. And he's our next guest this morning. Jared, congratulations. Thanks very much. What about you hopped on this horse, I think, in Waterball, the benchmark 84 in January, and it's been a great ride right through the year, hasn't it, with him? Oh, definitely. Um, obviously, the horse has never finished any worse than third and um, just ultra-consistent and... Um, got a real will to win and um yeah he got the deserved group one yesterday which was nice since Warrnambool, where he started a dollar 28 and favorite and absolutely blitzed them you've had eight rides on him for five wins at the bull that day jared that was start number six for him tell us how you got the opportunity to get on tuvalu uh so i just um started riding for Lindsay, and um we had a lot of luck together straight off and um called me one day and said um, I reckon like this is my best horse and um, I want you to ride him and um, yeah well obviously when I uh, won the Port Ferry Cup on him at Warrnambool the first time it gave me one hell of a feel and um, yeah it's been a really enjoyable ride since. He won that winter championship at Flemington in early July and what I said at the start what I love about this horse is he just goes at the right speed to not go too fast, but go quick enough to, to get them off the bit, break their hearts, and he just keeps on going. Did you think after that day, we'll be here in the spring and we'll be here big time? Yeah, like the horse is obviously, um, when I first started riding, it only, the only time it had been beaten was by on Thunderstruck. So, mm. um, and obviously, it's a uh, top top class horse as well and um yeah like it's it it's just always giving you that feel and um probably like even a couple of times that he did get beaten yeah there are quite quite a few uh health issues and the stable has got um got on top of that and um yeah like he's just, just a pleasure to ride really Jared, what did you think when he came up with gate number one uh, for the two-rack handicap yesterday? Um, I was just thinking, <laughs> I hope I hope there's not too much rain and the fence is off, to be honest. Um, that was initially my first thought when um, when it came out. So I was having a look at the weather forecast and um, constantly checking the track rating. But um, credit to the track staff as well that, track um, played really fairly yesterday and um, no, it was in tip-top order and there was nothing wrong with the inside, which um, I was very happy with. He's won up to 
1800. That was earlier in his career. And, and as we said, his, his style of racing, he can either make his own luck in front or race handy. We don't see him back. He, he's up there doing his own thing. Uh, these sort of horses, like he's now in Group 1 standard, would he get 2,000 metres? Um, I don't know, like, because obviously with the high cruising speed, um, he does break their hearts a long way out most of the time. And um, how far he go, distance-wise, I'm not, I'm not really sure. But that sort of mile really suits because, mm. um, you know, he definitely runs it out. Um, that was I think a good at this mile, stage, wasn't he? Kermadec, yeah. Yeah, I think at this stage probably the mile is like ideal, but um, yeah, like it'd be interesting to see. But at this stage, I think the mile's probably yeah. ideal. You had a great season riding-wise last season, 114 winners. I think you finished about third on the the state premiership list. Yeah, no, I had a great season. I was able to take out the country jockeys premiership, and yeah, only. The only two that I finished behind, I finished behind Johnny Allen and John McNeil. So uh, I had a ripping season, and um, it was just great to sort of you. Um, like I set myself a goal when I started at the start of the season to ride a hundred winners, and I was able to achieve that. And um, you always sort of uh, aim to win a Group One, but you like the opportunities are hard to get. But um, it's just yeah, wrapped wrapped to get it done yesterday. Jared, how do you go with uh, your weight? That that horse Tuvalu, he had fifty three and a half kilos yesterday in the handicap. Yeah, it was a, it was a it was a stretch, um, but like I've ridden the horse at fifty three before, and um, like he's a he's a horse well well worth doing it for, that's for sure. And um, it was just great. The reward for effort was able to pay off. You're married as well, so it's all all the jigsaws fitting together. But just before you go, and I didn't realise this until I. A bit of research. You've got a, a love for greyhounds and a good involvement with the greyhounds as well. Yeah, um, my wife and I we live on a farm in Ballarat. We've got fourteen acres, and we've we've got uh, the dogs here, and um, we breed one or two litters a year. And they send them off. We send them off to trainers when they're um, after they get broken in and everything. And that's that's my outlet and my hobby. And I find it's really good for the mind. Like we get home. I think From the races, you might not have had the best best day, but um, the dogs are happy to see you, and no, it's, it's really nice. Campbell Rewiller, I think he's um, he's big into the greyhounds these days as well, isn't he, Jared? Yeah, he's taken out his trainer's licence and um, bought a greyhound property um, out at Yarrigan. So, um, yeah, obviously Campbell struggles with his weight a lot, so, um, so I'm sure I'm sure he'll keep keep trying trying with the riding, but it um, looks like it might be a good path for him after riding. It was your day yesterday, mate. Congratulations. Thanks for joining us. No worries. Thanks for having me on. Jared Fry joining us this morning with Tuvalu, who and a very special mention to our good mate Bill Andrews, yeah. one of the part owners. Yeah, one of the part owners there. Um, he'd have been thrilled with that victory yesterday at Group 1 level. The runner-up was Good Laws of Indices. I was on him a couple of times during the Queensland Carnival and he couldn't quite get there. In fact, he's had 10 starts here in Australia since coming from overseas with a bit of a, a rap on him. He hasn't been able to win yet, but, but he's getting close. Oh, but that, that was an Aussie Pinko run, you know, out the yeah. back, coming wide.
And I think he may run on the Cox Plate. Uh, I know he's still in the Cox yeah. Plate. They've, they've uh, talked about it, so his, his run was outstanding. And I wish I win, uh, who was the favourite for the race, $2.20, really stifled the market. Um, also favourite for the Golden Eagle. There was a bit of drama at the start. Um, mm. uh, he went into the gate, something happened, and all of a sudden uh, you could see Luke Nolan trotting him up before the, the vets. Exactly right. But I think in the run, he had his chance. He, he did. He was there. He presented at the right time. Yeah. It just wasn't quite we, fast enough the no, last 100 metres. We didn't quite see that, you know, um, devastating burst at the end by him yesterday. Let's wrap up Caulfield from yesterday and have a listen to the Herbert Power. Saracen Knight moves up to Persan around the turn. 300 metres to go and Saracen Knight hits the front early in the straight. Desert Icons out chasing. Then came Shabao and Macram down the outside at the 200. Saracen Knight, the favourite, went for home. Two legs, Persan, Desert Icon, Macram. Saracen Knight, 100 metres to go, clear. Saracen Knight will win it. Saracen Knight, the winner. Second ahead, Bobber, Macram, Desert Icon involved. And then Persan and next in the field, Shiraz from Shabao. Attorney, Harmissian, Emissary, Regal, Lion, Grand Promenade, Tiger, Tiger, well back, good idea, Point Nepean, and the good fight was towards the end. Our good friend Alan Thomas always used to say, good alley, good jockey, good form, they're the ones to beat, and that was the case with Saracen Knight. Jamie Carr, Barrier 2, in form, had a good run and won the race. Just before we do leave Caulfield, uh, that first winner yesterday in the debutante, King's Gambit, Mm. Uh, listening to all of the experts in the morning, I don't think anyone thought there was any great shakes in this race, but not only did he win in a hand canter, but ran time. Yeah, he ran $2.90 in favourite for the race off um, a pretty good Warwick Farm trial victory. Of course, trained by, you know, the, the kings of two-year-old racing. Yeah. They, they get it right most of the time, don't they, Peter and Paul Snowden? They'd booked Blake Shin to ride this fellow. And, of course, the week prior, they'd won the Breeders at Ramwick with Empire of Japan and... This fellow was a little bit more impressive yesterday, David, when you analyse the time. He's a cop, I'm invincible, and pretty much he carried the Guri colours, mm. uh, the black and white stripes there yesterday. Some big hitters in the ownership of this I'm invincible cop, but, gee, the time was great on that soft track. That was the point. So it, it ended up a soft five after starting at a soft six. But, of course, as we turn our attention to Royal Randwick, it was a heavy 10 all day, probably a heavy 15 by the time they got to race six, and that's where it ended, which... We discussed at the top of the program. But let's go to the Roman Consul, the Group 2 for the three-year-olds. Best of Bordeaux just leads coming up to the turn from Zuccarino. Wallinga Beast in a stalking position and just peeling three wide now, clear from Sweet Ride as they straighten up. And it's Best of Bordeaux on the inside of Zuccarino. Wallinga Beast is moving into a three wide, two further back to Nacino and a Sweet Ride looking for a bit of room. Best of Bordeaux showing plenty of fight. Sweet Ride could be the danger now. Best of Bordeaux, Sweet Ride through the middle. Wallinga Beast is still there. It's Best of Bordeaux and Sweet Ride but Best of Bordeaux, he's really strong at the end, fending them all off and Best of Bordeaux pushed out by Mellon, won the Roman Consul. Sweet Ride second, just in front of Wallinga Beast. They beat off Natuno, then came Sajardin from Zuccarino and under the very heavy conditions, Salos couldn't make any ground at all. Great to see Best of Bordeaux back in the winners list um, and Casey Fogden, Best of Bordeaux's trainer is joining us now. Casey, good morning. Good morning, how are you? I'm well. It hasn't been the best of preparations with a few things here and there with Best of Bordeaux. So you would have been heartened to, to get back into the winning list yesterday, I'm sure. Yeah, it's just been one of those preps, I think, where things haven't exactly gone his way, but it was certainly nice to get that done yesterday. 
Casey's developing um, a really good CV, this guy, of course, second in a golden slippery, picked up that group two yesterday. Uh, was there any apprehension with that very heavy track starting him in the Roman Consul yesterday? Oh, absolutely. I, I, I did sort of voice my concerns and I, and I was genuinely worried about it. I know he's... The day he ran second in the slipper, that was a heavy nine, but that was at Rose Hill. And um, I think, you know, just the the week of rain that they had in Sydney this this week was was just frightening. So um, yeah, and it was obviously his first time racing away from Rose Hill. Obviously, all of his starts have have been there. So um, I I really didn't know how he was going to handle it. Yeah, well, um, he sort of got onto the right part of the track there and was, was too good for them, beating Sweet Ride by almost two lengths. But So he's got really good wet form, but we want to point out that um, he's equally as good up on top of the ground because take us through the Canterbury when he when he had his first start. Um, that was his first start. Yeah, that was... That was on a good surface, was, wasn't it? It was a good surface. Um, I think <laughs> I remember watching the race thinking, God, he's... he's quite a way out in front, you know, or oh God, you know, like it was it was very nerve wracking, but he he just kept going and I think although he gets the heavy surface he's he's certainly far better off um on top of it. Just drilling down a bit more on this preparation, he ran well behind in secret. Now we know how good she is and, and he he led them up. What happened after that? Was there an issue after that run of the rose run? There was. Um we were we obviously had accepted um you know, he was he was supposed to run in the Heritage that Saturday on the the Wednesday we scoped and he had a bit of mucus there, so we started treatment and we sort of had planned to scope in the morning of the race and um, it had actually gotten worse. So uh, it was probably heartbreaking to scratch him that morning. He was he was so well and and aside from having mucus, he was just bouncing out of his skin. So we had to scratch there and and, and get on top of it. So we were four weeks yesterday between runs going in, so it was a bit a bit nerve wracking. What about now? Where did we go to the Kilmore? Yeah, um, he's he's pulled up very well this morning, so um, he'll be on a truck down to Melbourne this week sometime. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll sort of leave that to connections to, to make the final decision, but um, that's where we would be heading towards. It's a different story altogether, isn't it, Casey? Uh, straight racing at Flemington. Um, I guess you'd probably give him a little bit of practice one day. Yeah, well, that's you know, we were we were hoping he would pull up well this morning, and um, and he's done all of that. So, you know, just get him down there, and and there are jump outs next week, um, so he can have a very very quiet time in between, and um, and we'll see how he goes. Casey, you had um, some nice two year olds last season, of course, head, headlined by this guy Best of Bordeaux. But what about this season? Have you got some nice ones coming through that we can maybe follow? We've actually just we've got a few later types this year, um, so we're still sort of you know we've just got to be patient for them, but they're all coming through the system nicely, and um, we've just got to wait really. Fair enough. Congratulations on yesterday. Look forward to seeing him in the Kilmore. Thank you, Casey Fogden, joining us, the trainer of Best of Bordeaux, who's a six dollar chance in the Kilmore. This market's a little bit puzzling because Jack Widow at five dollars and Giga Kick at six dollars are in there, and of course they're in the Everest, yeah. so. Whether they go there in a, a fortnight remains to be seen. In secret, of course, we know she is going to be there, the $4.50 favourite. But it promises potentially to be a really good curveball this year. Yeah, it does. And um, it's not that easy to, to lead all the way. And, of course, this this fellow, Best of Bordeaux, likes to, uh, you know, free roll in front. And, uh, you know, when, when leaders... Um, 
can get around a bend, obviously that's an advantage to them, isn't it? So uh, they can usually kick off the bend um, when they're rolling along in front. So it's a different kettle of fish altogether. But um, if he could add that to his CV, he's worth, worth anything to go to start. Let's have a listen to the inaugural running of the Tap Craig, named after, of course, our great broadcasters, Johnny Tap and Ian Craig. They come up to the home corner and Dashing Legend, a few horses off the fence. Now, Opal Ridge is on the rails at the moment. Dashing Legend's gone down to the fence. Bergen to the outside and Opal Ridge going between them. Wide out Pericles and Chairman running on. And Basquiat's coming down the outside. Hawaii 5-0 being eased down. Opal Ridge, the filly, takes the lead clearly. Two, three lengths in front of Pericles and Dashing Legend. And a good gap back to Bergen. It's Opal Ridge nicely in front from Pericles, sticking to the task. Opal Ridge towards the inside. Two lengths clear and Opal Ridge will win the Tap Craig and win it brilliantly from Pericles. Dashing legend third, a gap back to ringmaster Basquiat, then chairman from Burgunder. And Badge and Hawaii 5-0 have not handled the conditions and Badge just going past the course. And... Promising filly by Rubik this one. She's only had the seven starts. That was her fourth win and adept mm. in heavy, as we saw yesterday, but also ran well in the, in the heritage. So... She's got a very good future. Yeah, absolutely. And there's a great story behind the ownership as well. I remember Stephen on Racing Active spoke to um, uh, the son. Apparently the father's son had uh, rather serious issues with cancer. They're okay now. But, um, yeah, she's done a great job for them. And in particular, Luke Pepper, to get a horse like this, uh, a young fellow that was sort of toiling away in uh, on the south coast of New South Wales. I think Canberra originally, south coast, and then he made the move north. Um, and this this filly's been able to come with him. She's a real wet tracker. You mentioned the seven stars. She's been up for quite a while mm. now, and she's probably going to be a little bit jaded after yesterday. And, yeah, put her on a heavy track, and she's up to winning anything. I notice there are a number of fowlers in the ownership oh, of Opal Ridge. I'll be, I'll be checking if there's any distant relations and making a phone call. Family tree. Yeah, what's happening there? Let's have a listen to... Uh, um, just before we go, um, Johnny Tammany and Craig were at the races yesterday. Yes, they were, and it was just fantastic to see them. I think they're, um, you know, they're both about eighty years of age, but they're they're looking fantastic. And um, I saw some great pictures on social media yesterday afternoon. They went up to the the broadcast box there at Randwick, Darren Flindell, and they did a little bit of a phantom call, who they felt uh, would win their race, and both of them had the winner. Um, yeah, and no, I think it was just great that uh, the ATC mm. have named a race and a, and a proper race too worth plenty of money after two of the great broadcasters in Sydney for 30 or four years. We, I'm myself growing up in Sydney. Um, they were synonymous with horse racing in Sydney. When you heard Ian and Tappy, uh, you, you knew it was Sydney racing. And in similar vein from a, a, a journalism point of view or a, a newspaper point of view, There'll be a race coming up soon, the Calendar Presnell for Ken Calendar and Max Presnell. Still yeah. both Hale and Hardy as Absolutely, well. Absolutely, yeah. Let's have a listen to the Nivison for the Mares. Sky Command swings in front by two lengths and Larkspur run and Jolet. None of the chasers are making any ground at the moment. They've got 300 metres to run, and Sky Command's gone further in front from Larkspur Run. Jolet's had enough. Duchess Avoy trying to get the third from 1A. Never talk making some headway, but Sky Command in the hands of Regan Bayless is six lengths clear. Never talk, and Heresy are really charging home at the end. Sky Command can't pick her legs up. She's three lengths clear and has a big enough break to win the Neverson. Sky Command two lengths on the post from Never Talk, who grabs second, a nose in front of Heresy, a gap back to 1A and Jolet, and then... Comes 
came Larkspur Run. Promise of success never travelled. Expat blew it at the start. Duchia Savoy. And last in was Charlize. Yes, Sky Command revelling in the conditions, leading all of the way for the Gerald Ryan Sterling Alexio Training Partnership. This is Pass the Post, brought to you by Archer Park Racing. We'll take a short break and then come back and speak about some of the highlights and listen to some of the highlights at Eagle Farm. This is Pass the Post, brought to you by Archer Park Racing, taking racing ownership to the next level. Archerparkracing.com.au, that's the website. Go there, all the horses that are for sale, all the information you need to know is on the website. Chris Wessel's still recovering from being at the Caulfield Guineas yesterday, but I'm sure he'll be back in action at the Archer Park Wheel within the next few hours. Let's go to Eagle Farm yesterday. We had two two-year-olds to begin the 10-race card, and this filly called Miss Cooter on debut was heavily back to win. Look at Miss Cooter below the 300 metres. She bounded away, led by four. Keyboard in second. Mashani Jetstream quickly gone. And the others are only lining up for minor money only. But Miss Cooter, hard against the rail below the 200 metres, had a long, long lead. She's going to win the first and win it handsomely. Keyboard should hang on for the Quinella. Good go for third. Mashani Star and Mashani Twilight. But Miss Cooter ridden hands and heels to the line. Won by, well, I'd say, nearly seven. From Keyboard second, third, Mashani Star and Mashani Twilight fourth. Arabian Fox never a factor. And the last pair, Mashani Siena and Mashani Jetstream. Miss Cooter, the, the, the market knew towards the end. She kept firming in Arabian Fox, got mm. out. There was a big gap, or a bigger gap between them at the end. And she was very impressive. Chris Munch trains her and he's joining us now. Chris, good morning. G'day, David. How you going, mate? I'm well, mate. Did you expect that yesterday? Um, oh, look, I did think she could win. Um, I don't know whether I thought she'd win by the margin she did or as in the way that she did. I, I, th- I thought that she's a nice filly and she'd sort of done everything that we'd asked her to do this far. So, um, no, it was good to see her get to the races and, and um, yeah, win the way she did. Chris, she's not um, anywhere near the finished product as, as yet, is she? Um, I've noticed, with, you know, with her in the trials that she sort of doesn't ping the gates. And yesterday she sort of didn't ping him, was a bit wide early. But, gee, uh, when she picks that up, she'll be something. Yeah, well, Maxie, she's, she's a filly. Um, she's always been a bit highly strung. Um, from what I learned yesterday, apparently the mother was a bit unruly. Yes, she was. Track or something. Yeah. Um, and this filly, like, she's a spirit of boom, and, you know, any spirit of boom I've had anything to do with, they've always been very late, that casual horses. But she's just been a little bit little bit um, hyperactive, so to speak. Um, and that's why Justin, he's ridden her since day one, and he's done a terrific job just educating her and getting her working the right way and um, sort of containing her energy at the right times. But... You know, she was early days. She could have become quite the handful. But, you know, as far as the barriers go, I think it's um, just a, a maturity thing, an educational thing. And I'm hoping that, you know, with more racing and that under a belt, she'll improve. What's her purchase background? Where, uh, where did you buy her? How did you pay for it? Yeah, so we, we um, she's a Magic Millions filly. Um, January, um, we paid 140 for her. And um, I thought it was, you know, I thought it was the right price. I thought she was well bought. And um, she's just been a filly that ever since we've sort of got her in the stable, she's just got bigger and stronger. And um, she's always, always looked um, just a, a ready-made athlete, to be honest. So, Chris, she's got um, how much in the bank now? How much is counted for Magic Millions? Oh, well, that cutest bonuses don't count. So yeah. I think she's probably got about 40, 40-odd there, I think. Um, the Magic uh, Millions, yeah, it comes around pretty quickly, doesn't it? Comes around quick. Yes, it does, Maxie. So I'll probably yeah. give her one more run 
Um, I'll probably just give her one more run and then we'll uh, back off her, give her a bit of a freshen up and, and focus on, on January. Just before you go, Boom Nova, when will we see her next? Uh, not, not, Peter, not, not Boom Nova, sorry, Palaya Pad, sorry. You can get an update Palaya. on Boom Nova as well. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah so uh, Palaya Pad runs next Saturday. Yep. In the Tristar Group 2. She's um, settled into Melbourne very well. Um, had a gallop there on Saturday morning in company and um, Juliet rode her and said she couldn't hold her slow enough. So that was all good news. And she'll go to Caulfield on Tuesday and have a course proper gallop there at Caulfield on Tuesday morning. I'll, I'll go down Monday and oversee a gallop and that. And um, yeah, she'll head to the races on Saturday, uh, yesterday week. Next Saturday she'll run in the Tristark 1400 metre Group 2 down there. Excellent. What about Boom Nova? So Boom Nova, she'll have a she'll have a, a decent break. Um, I probably won't I won't um, do much with her. I might just concentrate on the winter with her. She's um, she went to Sydney and the plan just didn't work out. She sort of didn't settle in as well as I would have liked early days and her, her runs down there. There wasn't really the right races. I, in hindsight, I might have been off just sending her straight to Melbourne because there was only really that one run in Sydney that suited her and there wasn't a lot else. So, but anyway, she'll have a nice break and we'll probably just concentrate on the. Um, Maybe the um, the autumn in, in Sydney or just the winter carnival. Thanks for joining us this morning, mate. Congratulations on yesterday. No worries. Thanks, guys. There is Chris Bunce. Rob Heathcote, trained to travel. He's on the line now. Rob, good morning. Morning, guys. Well, you're a good judge. I never thought I'd say... Well, no, I shouldn't say that, but you were at a function <laughs> with me on, fr- on Friday and you had a host of runners in and I thought Hatchet was your best, but you told our audience there at the G-Bug RSL that Driver Deal was the best and duly got the money. She looks good, mate. She does. She's a quality uh, quality mare and, and, and I think... I, it was trainer error. I put my hand up. I mean, she drew barrier one first up this prep over 1,200, we rode her too aggressively, and that, and that taught her a bad habit. And the next run over 1,350, she, she came out pulling and, and just did it too hard. So we hit the reset button. She's come back. She's travelled beautifully behind the speed, no pulling, and she's sprinted strongly, and, and, and she's two for two, and I see no reason why she can't put a few on the board. Mm. Yeah, she's a done deal, isn't she, Rob? Um, so how far will she get, do you think, eventually? I'm not sure, Mike. Um you know, that was a mile yesterday, basically second up from a freshen up, and, and, and there's a, she's benchmarked 73 now. Uh, two weeks' time, there's a benchmark 78 over a mile. So I'll certainly go back there, you know, third up over a mile suits. Mm. Um, Jimmy Ormond probably won't be able to make her weight. I think 73, 74, 56 and a half, 54. You're too off for being a man, so 54 and a half. So I think probably Benny Thompson will take over there. But, yeah, she's an exciting horse. And, and as you say, Mike, being by Dundeal, there's every chance that she'll get out to 2,000 or possibly further. The second leg of your treble was a race of fluctuating fortunes for you because wherever you were, well, I mentioned you were at, um, at Randwick, uh, they jump out of the barrier. All of a sudden, you've got no jockey on on point, Tegan Harrison... Uh, fell off, and then Ekaterina came from, well, Lily Stone Motherless last. Did you expect that? Oh, yeah. I, I, I knew she was good. You know, she's a half-sister to Star Tontes, and mm. you look at them together, you know, they're hard to separate. They're, they're, they're so similar in appearance. Um, and I had my eyes on on point when Tegan came off, so I went, oh, my God. Yeah. But talk about the agony and the ecstasy in one point. 10.5 seconds, you know. But, <laughs> All of a sudden, one's on the ground, another one comes from last and wins. And there's, no, there's no fluke about that performance. She came from dead set last. She did, she did. And she's very good. 
Um, and even when she drew the outside alley in my pre-race ramble to my owners, I said, guys, don't worry about it. We're going to ride her quiet. She'll be at the back. She's got a she's got a good strong finish, just like her half sister has, and she proved that yesterday. So you know, it was very lucrative being a cure source and being by Russian Revolution. So I um, used the breed back to advantage. Any uh, similarities in looks with Star Tontes? You couldn't tell them apart, Mike. Is that to really? look at? Yeah. I mean, I can because obviously Star Tontes, being a year older, she's had more time to fill out. So she'd be 30, 40 kilos heavier. But Ekaterina is going to be very, very similar in another year's time. Extremis was the third leg of the treble. We've seen her jump to the front, dictate and win 1,200s at Dooman. What I liked yesterday was uh, raising the bar, so to speak, coming off the speed and finding the line well at the tougher Eagle Farm 1,200. And, and the fact that, you know, she got tested a little bit in the lead, listening to... Angela's audio after the race, and and even even young Ange, she, she said she was she was amazed at the tenacity and the and the courage of the of the mare, considering she didn't have it all go her own way. But mm. she was not going to lay down, and I think that's another one I might have mentioned to you at that function, yeah, David. And, and, and your your uh, your willing sidekick Rob Chobo actually pulled me up at the function and said, David. Not hatchet extremist. I said, good on you, Rob. See you later. <laughs> well, I, I do know with both of you now I will never question you again because you got the 10 out of 10 I got zero out of 10. So, <laughs> hey, just before you go, so uh, it didn't happen for Star Toddos yesterday. Uh, you still go to that Silver Eagle next week? Oh, definitely. I, I was down there. And to be perfectly honest, I, I was glad they, they called mm. them off because even though Star Toddos can handle a heavy track and, and that family too, I might add, it was bottomless there yesterday. You see the horses and the riders come in absolutely covered in mud. I was glad they called them off, and uh, then I found out relatively quickly that they're going to run them next week. Now, Jason Collett, I can give you a, an update on rider. He's going to ride at Caulfield next Saturday. Mm. And a switcheroo, Damien Lane's coming from Melbourne to Sydney to ride Jackano in the big one, so he's going to take over Star Tontes next Saturday. Good as gold. All good with Rothfo. Yeah, no, he's fine. He had a had a leisurely week up at up at Jaroa, up at the Hayes um, Horse Heaven, and uh, Mel gave him a little gallop on uh, Saturday morning. He said he's he's tickety boo, good to oh, go. All right, so he's ready for the Manicata. Now further down the track um, with Rothfire, there's been some mention of him in the the King of the Mountain. Have, have you been approached? Are people talking at this point? Only five. Oh, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, there's been, I've been, I've been, I've been approached, and um, yeah, there's, look, there's a possibility we may go that way. Um, it certainly looks a nice race, and you know, it's, it's not to be sneezed at. It's three hundred and fifty thousand to the winner to be shared between the slot holder and the owners of the horse. So we'll certainly give it serious consideration. And uh, but I'm not. Now let's see what happens in the Manicato and the Dali first, because. You know, we, there may be some other plans for Rothfire in the in the making as well. Good as gold, mate. Talk soon. Always a pleasure, boys. There he is, Rob Heathcote, joining us. David, um, the jockeys, after two months of competition, August, September, now into October, it's pretty congested at the top. There's only one win covering four, according to my math from yesterday. Ange had a double, so she's 18 wins with Jimmy Orman, 18. And then Ben Thompson, 17, and Ryan Maloney, 17. Let's go to some other highlights from yesterday. The feature race of the day was the listed Forex Queensland Cup.
by the 400 metre pole. Fun fact led the way. Seat of Power gets the run if good enough. Honourable Spirit joining in. Dropping off Brown Thomas. Then sailed Mohican Heights. Tappy's Land. And Bahrain is trying to shoulder to the clear. Is doing so now. Still fun fact in front from Seat of Power and Honourable Spirit. They're at the 100 metres. Seat of Power raising now. Fun fact still in front. Hanging on. Hanging on to the cup. And fun fact all the way. Big Seat of Power. Third over the line, Honourable Spirit, I think, from Bahrain. Sale, Mohican Heights, Tappy's Land. Gaps to June 45. And Brown Thomas along at Weary Last. Fun fact, was able to lead all the way. That's what he does best. Yes, um, he's had a couple of goes at Eagle Farm now. He loves the place. It was back in 2019 during the Winter Carnival that he won the Grand Prix. He's now won almost a million dollars, 947000 and handled beautifully in front by Michael Carl for Bjorn Baker. And it was an exciting race. Often mm. these staying contests, you know, nothing happens. But um, there was only two lengths covering the first seven, and any one of those horses could have won up the 200. Let's have a listen to the feature sprint for Nudgy College Old Boys. In the home straight, though, they're spread across the track where Tears of Love was gathered in by Hail Manhattan. Grey Worm battled it getting a run, then turn on the charm Bonaparte, and right down the outside, Matamatakby, they're right across the track. Turn on the charm coming through on the inside, Tears of Love. Turn on the charm broke clear. Turn on the charm one from either Matamatakby out wide, Tears of Love, battled it not too far away. Bonaparte was close up with Hail Manhattan. That was one hell of a finish. Then came Hazabro, not too far off them either. Grey Worm knocking out and out towards the tail was Stardome. Not a good start from Turn on the Charm, but uh, Ryan Mullaney didn't mm. panic, popped him onto the rail, gave him a quiet run, got the run at the right time, but not much between these horses either. No, two lengths covering uh, the top eight. Stardome was a few lengths behind those. So another thrilling finish to the feature sprint yesterday and a um, bit leaderish, I felt, yesterday, David. And um, the speed map, I thought it was going to be Grey Worm and Tears for Love, but Battleton kicked up. Hail Manhattan wanted the lead as well. And uh, Ryan Maloney wanted to be outside the leader, he said to Nathan in the post-race interview, but he hesitated a turn on the charm. So the gallop was strong, and he was actually in the best spot, back a little bit off a hot tempo, held up a little bit, but then he spotted a big gap towards the inside around uh, the heels of Grey Worm and, and won well. Again, um, you know, Ma Eustace, they just travel horses so well, don't they? They do. We saw Miss Cooter win the Phillies two-year-old division as a short price favourite. And uh, favourite backers then jumped onto Sunday Mail in the cult section. It didn't plan out as expected. Into the straight now, 400 left to run. And the leader on the inside was Mashani Cruz narrowly from Mashani Tycoon, who's trying to get on terms. Risky investment. If good enough can come between the pair. Mashani Maverick on the outside is chiming in. And wider was Conquistadors. A few with the chance here. Mashani Cruz tackled and earnest by Mashani Maverick. Risky investment trying to get them on the inside and coming through pretty well. A line of three. Risky investment going home best. Too good. Risky investment, one on debut. Beat home Mashani Cruz and Mashani Maverick. Then came Conquistadors, followed by Mashani Tycoon. Then Mashani Eagle Sage Advice. And Sunday Mail. Deary, deary me, what an awful performance last over the line. And that it was. So you know what I was on? Yes. He just wasn't in... Um, uh, he wasn't there. No, his mind wasn't there yesterday. He's a cult and... Um, a little bit full of himself in the yard and he jumped out of the gates and wanted to pull and hang. So he's got a barrier certificate, he's got a pass, but all honours with the winner, Risky Investment, who had that trial on Tuesday, a good Ooh. second behind Miss Cooter. 
And he had the rails run. Nice ride by Luke Tarrant to come through and score. And well done to Tommy Button too. Tommy's pretty good with these young horses. And he picked this one out for $40,000 at Book 2 at Magic Midian. So 40 k he's turned into 67 k at just the one start. A little bit like Les Ross, not as many numbers, but he likes to get them up running yeah. early. And mm. if you can do it, good luck to you Absolutely. because you can get the money. So... Good, good work to Tom Button, who, of course, is one of the trainers for Archer Park Racing. And that is our program for today. Mike, as always, thanks for your time this morning. Okay, thank you, David. Have a good day. Mike Maxworthy with us this morning. And uh, thanks for your company, folks. Hope you enjoyed the show. And I look forward to your company on Press Room tomorrow. A lot to talk about with our regular panellists. You enjoy your day. Bye-bye.